Awesome. Hey, well, I am super excited to be here uh, with you guys this morning to bring this, uh, this message that I feel God laid on my heart. Um, a couple of things real quick, and I think I, I think I might cover this just about every time uh, that, I, that I speak. But one of my favorite things, and I think it's so important, is crowd participation. And here's why. Uh, please don't admit to this if you do it, but <laughs> everybody's already laughing. You have no idea what I'm going to say. If you talk to yourself, if you're in your room, in your car, and you talk to yourself, there's not much response, and if there is, you should see a doctor, right? So when you're speaking on stage, and, and, and God's given you a word to preach and speak and bring to people, um, and there's not much response, it's like, are they getting it, God? And I know he's going to do what he wants to do, but I love that we have the opportunity to come into this house this morning, uh, to hear from God's word, and then to have a conversation uh, with each other, with our hearts and our minds this morning so God can, can work in our lives, so that he can allow us to see those areas of our life where we're struggling, uh, where we need to change, where he's trying to work in our lives, and we can begin to work through that. Uh, so so I, like I said, I say it every time, I love crowd participation. I love when we can have a conversation with each other, and I know that, hey, I'm not just speaking to nobody out there, but they're getting it, God. We're growing together. Um, so I also got to ask, are you guys ready to have fun today? Awesome. <laughs> I think church um, is the coolest place in the world, um, and I love to have a good time in church. I, I think it's the most amazing thing that we literally get to come together, hundreds of us, uh, thousands, millions across the nation, and we get to read the Word of God like that he used uh, thousands of years ago uh, to reach a generation after generation, and it's still the best-selling book of all time, and it's transforming lives. Like we have the opportunity this morning to read that. And then we have the opportunity to actually use what we're going to learn and look into our lives and say, God, I'm slipping in that area. God, I, I, I maybe have been missing that in my life. Thank you for speaking to me. Because what I love about this book that God gave us, God's word, is that I may preach this message today and it's going to be on a couple of different topics we'll get to. And you may walk up to me after the message and be like, thank you so much for speaking on grace. And I'll be like, I didn't speak on grace, but you're welcome. <laughs> because God is living. God is moving. He's speaking through his word and he wants to speak to you in your seat this morning. Every single one of you in here. He has a word and a message for you. And whatever you take away from this, whatever God gives you is awesome because that means he's working and still speaking in a generation. Amen? Amen. And I want to ask also one more thing and then I'll get to my message. This is not my message. <laughs> you guys know me. Come on. I'm going to ask this morning that you're vulnerable. It's really easy as Christians to kind of get hard-hearted and to close and shut down our minds and we come to church week to week and we hear the message and we go, wow, that was a good presentation of the word and we leave, but we never actually apply it to our lives. We leave a message about grace and forgiveness and we cuss the guy out leaving the parking lot because he cut you off. We never actually take it and sometimes we don't apply it. So I am going to ask you this morning that as we preach, or as I, we preach, I'm preaching, you're not preaching, as I preach that you're vulnerable, that you open up your heart and your mind and ask God, what is it you're trying to speak to me this morning? And then as we leave here, the purpose of coming together as a unit to hear God's word is so we can leave and become better Christians and be closer to Christ. That's the whole point of gathering. So this morning I am going to ask that. I had the opportunity to, <laughs> to speak at a, uh, a middle school chapel here in town uh, this week. And I love speaking to middle schoolers because you're really not sure if they're getting anything you're saying. 
Um, but they'll, they'll clap on and like, yeah, yeah, and just agree with you. And it's so funny. I asked at the beginning the same thing I just asked of you guys. I said, hey, God's going to speak to you this morning. I said, but what you have to do is you have to open up your heart and your mind so that he can actually speak to you and you can take it and apply it in your life. And I want you, this whole message, I was telling him, I want you the whole message to think about yourself personally and how this message and what God's telling you could change your life. I said, I want you to be vulnerable with me this morning. As I on stage, if you guys have heard me speak before, you know that I will use a lot of examples of shortcomings, sin, and failure about myself as I speak. Because I want you to know that when God has me work on a message, it's usually for me. (laughs) And I hate it. But I asked them, I said, can you guys be vulnerable with me this morning? And they were all like, absolutely, yeah. And they like clapped. And I was like, all right, let's go. About 10 minutes into my message. I mean, I've been preaching for 10 minutes to these kids. I said, now, does anybody have any questions about the passage? And this little boy raised his hand in the back. And I said, what's up, man? And he said, what's it mean to be vulnerable? (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? That was 10 minutes ago. I was good. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my message, but it was funny. So thanks for laughing. All right, man, I'm so excited. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been going through a series um, called Journey the Psalms. Uh, last week was 124. So if you're any good at math, this week is 125. Who said six? Nelson. So we're going to dive right in here into Psalms 126. And what I'd like to do to kind of lay out a little bit of what this message is going to look like. um, I'm going to pull a couple of points from the passage and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what it actually means. Um, Like actually read the scripture and allow it to to operate and work in our personal lives. And then at the end, we're going to wrap up with some practical ways to actually get better. We're going to wrap up with some practical ways that we can implement in our life today. Uh, so we can look more like Christ. So, and when I said in the beginning, are you ready to have fun? I'm not kidding because church is amazing and we get to read God's word. So give me an amen or something this morning before we get started. All right. All right. Woo. I think uh, at the first service, they were like, why does this guy have so much energy? (laughs) It's like, because I love Jesus and Jesus loves you. That's why I wore this shirt so you'd know. All right. (laughs) I'm starting. Psalms 125. Those who trust in God are like Mount Zion. Nothing can move, nothing can move it. A solid rock mountain, you can always depend on it. Sounds like a pretty good life. Mountains encircle Jerusalem and God encircles his people, always has and always will. The fist of the wicked will never violate what is due the righteous, provoking wrongful violence. Be good to your good people, O God, to those whose hearts are right. God will round up the backsliders, corral them with the encourageables, peace over Israel. I want to grab a few things out of this passage and dive deep because you could go a hundred different ways with this Psalms here. But something I want to talk about this morning and we're going to kick off with is is at the beginning of the passage, it says, those who trust in God are like Mount Zion. I don't know about you, but I would love to live a life with a God who created the heaven and the earth and know that he has my back. And when I live that life, nothing can move me like a mountain. Nothing can come in my life, can tear me down. The enemy can come at me from every angle, but it doesn't matter because I'm surrounded by God. I stand on a firm foundation in a mountain where I cannot be moved because of my trust in God, amen? That's the kind of life I wanna live. And I thought, this is where the pause is, I thought that I did fully trust in God until I started working on this message. 
I told you, I told you, when God gives me a message to speak, when he uses something and they say, hey, no, this is what, you know, we want you to preach on or whatever. When I start to work on the message, I stop about five minutes in and I'm like, wait a minute, God, (laughs) you did this on purpose, didn't you? And he's like, yes, I did. Because we all can grow and learn from this. I want to talk about what does it really mean to trust the Lord? And I put really in all caps because I think it's important that if we say, I really trust the Lord, I have complete trust in who God is, what he's going to do, I think that it's important that we know. Because all of us love to put the scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart, you know, all over our pillows and we tweet it and we Instagram it. And then God asks us to make a move that we don't understand and we're like, hold up. We just tweeted it yesterday, (laughs) you should be pretty good at it. What does it really mean to trust in the Lord? Because I want to live a life where I get to stand like a firm mountain that cannot be moved because of who my God is. But if I want to do that, in order to do that, I have to actually fully trust in who he is. So let's find out what it means to trust. Trust can also be translated or mean to have confidence in. So if you trust in something, you have a confidence in something. When Michael Jordan went out on the court, I trusted he was going to put on a good performance. I had confidence that he was going to play like the all-star he is. I've seen him play before. Well, I actually didn't get to. It's really sad. I'm too young. (laughs) But I know he's an amazing player. I had confidence in that. So then I was like, okay, I have confidence in God. I know that God can work in my situation. I know that God's greater than everything. He's already taken the keys from hell, conquered death. I'm like, hallelujah, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. But then I found this. And I read it says, having confidence in something means having an assurance that leads to action. Okay, (laughs) time out. This is where trust really becomes trust. See, trust is not being able to just say, I trust in the Lord. Not being able to just hand over the things you already can't control. But it's being able to trust in God so much and know that he has a plan for your life. That when he says to move in something in an area of your life that you do have control over. And you don't quite agree with where God's telling you to go. You're able to take action because of your confidence in who God is. Amen. Trust is having a confidence and an assurance in something that leads to action. That God, I know who you are. God, I trust in you so much that no matter what you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. See, Peter, when Peter was in the boat and he saw Jesus walking on the water, a lot of us would say, trust is, oh, hey, Jesus, you're walking on the water. I knew you could. You're a great God. I knew you could walk on the water. And then Jesus says, hey, hey, Peter, come out here with me. And Peter, see, see, if we were in the boat, some of us, we'd be like, I mean, I know I could, you know, like, I'm sure if I stepped out, I'd be able to walk on the water because I trust that you're a big God like that. I trust you can do that. I see you doing it. But see, the faith, the trust of Peter didn't actually become trust until he stepped out of the boat. He didn't actually fully trust in God until he said, I trust you so much, I'm taking action on my trust in you. That brings a whole new perspective to trusting in the Lord. That brings a whole new meaning to trusting in the Lord. Can I have a Mike? Where's Mike at? I'm going to steal Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. Thank you, Mike. Come up here. Everybody give it up for Mike. Mike is a very brave soul. Um, 
Before service, I said, hey, Mike, can you do me a favor? He was like, yeah, of course, anything. And I was like, I need you to fall on stage. <laughs> he was like, what? I was like, well, I'll catch you. And he's like, will you? <laughs> right? So um, I'm not going to let him fall in front of everybody unless you slip. I don't care what happened. Um, but I started to think about this idea of trust, right? And everyone, since you were young through now, it still continues, the trust fall, right? But have you ever been with somebody and you're like, hey, let's do a trust fall. I don't know why we do this. Like, like I don't know what the point of it is. But we're like, hey, let's do a trust fall. And, and they're like, okay, fine, I guess I trust you. And you're like, all right, I'm back here. I'm ready. I got you. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I see you falling. I got you, right? And they're like, okay, fine. And they go to fall and they put their foot back. And you're like, that's not a real trust fall. Or they're standing here and you're like, I got you. I'm bigger than you. I'm not going to drop you. I love you. And they go to fall back and they start to look back at you and put their arm out to make sure you're still there. See, we laugh at this and we would say, that's not real trust. That's not real trust. But when God calls us to do something, when God calls us out onto the waters and we say, okay, you're still there. Good, good, good. And he's like, of course I'm here. I'm God. (laughs) Of course I'm here. I'm God. Trust me. So Mike, would you do me a favor? Would you please trust fall? No, not that way, not that way. All right, turn around. All right, so Mike, trust fall. Perfect, perfect, thank you. See, I, oh my gosh, that's good. Thank you, Mike. All right, Mike, thank you for trusting me. Yeah, you can clap. That was good. That was, that was just one. That was one. All right, now, if I asked you to trust fall again, would you say it would be easier and more comfortable this time because I've already caught <laughs> We went over this <laughs> because I've already caught you once. Right, fall again, okay? Boom, Okay. Thank you. Everybody give it up for Mike. See, because I already caught Mike on the trust fall the first time, he knew that I would catch him on the second time. What am I trying to say here? Is that when you start to really trust in the Lord in those areas that you can't control or that you have to step out in faith and he reigns victorious in your life and in that situation, the next time you're in a situation where you have to trust God, it's easier to fall on him. It's easier to fall back into him because you're like, he was there the first time, he's going to be there this time. Amen? Amen. I want to read a story real quick in the scripture of uh, one of my my favorite Bible characters. And and this story gets me so hyped, so excited. Because I love the, the confidence in the voice of a young, young man named David. Okay? So David... You've all heard the story, most of you probably heard the story of David and Goliath, right? So David goes to take his brother's food. They're fighting an army, the God's army against the Palestines. He gets down, or Philistines, sorry. He gets down there. He's taking them food. He gets there and he's like, do you guys not hear this giant speaking out against our God? And they're like, well, we do, but have you seen how big he is? And David's thinking like, wait, but don't you remember how big our God is? He starts to look at this giant and he's like, I'm not letting this happen. So he goes to King Saul and he says, I'm going to fight this giant. And King Saul was probably like, come here, buddy. (laughs) That's awesome, but you're really small and you're weak and you're not qualified. David said, I know. But you know who is? My God. See, and then David began to tell King Saul. It said, David said, I've been a shepherd tending the sheep for my father. Whenever a lion And a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it. Listen to how tenacious this is, okay? This is the confidence we get to walk with when we serve a God that has already conquered death itself and has worked in our past. Just listen to how tenacious David is. 
He said, I've been a shepherd tending my sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it. I'd knock it down and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, if the enemy decided when I chased it down to even have the audacity to turn around on me and my God, you know what I'd do to it? This is what David says. He said, if it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And you know why it made no difference? Because nothing's bigger than God. Nothing. And he said, David, I I love David here. He says, and I'll do the same to this Philistine pig, pig, who is taunting the troops of God. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. And here's the amazing thing. David is against one of the biggest battles of his life at the time. But he wasn't afraid of the outcome because God had already prevailed in his circumstances with a lion, with a bear. So what he starts to do is he starts to recount all the times that God has already shown himself faithful. And he didn't even have to question God's faithfulness to him. He was able to fully trust because of all that God had already done previously. Amen? Imagine, imagine if we lived a life that you were like, man, when I was younger, my parents separated and God took care of me. When I was younger, I had a sickness and God allowed me to overcome it. Now you're facing a financial thing and you're like, you know what? I normally would be nervous about this, but nothing is bigger than my God. And because of what he's already done in my life before this, I'm going to put full trust in him and I'm going to be like a mountain that cannot be moved. Amen. Now, something that kind of scared me a little bit, I was reading along online. And if you go to Google, they have all the real facts, so it's good. I was reading along, and this guy had a commentary, and he said, Now, be careful, because not being able to be moved and being shaken are two different things. I was like, ooh. (laughs) Just because you follow God and God has your back and you have a relationship with him and you trust him does not mean that you will not face things that are difficult in life. See, when David showed up on the scene, the giant didn't just disappear. God said, no, I'm going to equip you with the confidence and the power knowing that I'm on your side to beat the giant. See, we have to be careful as Christians in our life that when we face things, because here's what happens. When we're on the mountaintop, when we have trust in God and amazing things are happening and he's bringing financial wealth to us and our kids are healthy and our families together and everything's good, we're like, God, I trust in you. You're so amazing. Well, of course, that's easy. But real trust and real faith comes when you're in a valley, when you get let go from your job, when you have a bad report from the doctor, are you able to still trust in a God who, was con- who conquered in your previous circumstances? Are you still able to trust in a God who loves you in the valley, who's there with you in the valley? Are you still able to trust when things don't make sense? Are you still able to trust then? Being shaken as a Christian is not the same thing as being moved. We can never be knocked off our foundation of Christ. Nobody's plan is bigger than God. Nobody can take anything out of the hand of God. But we can definitely face some battles in our life. But you know what I love about battles? If you've ever worked out before, you start really light. And as you start to get stronger and as your muscles start to tear, they start to grow on top of each other. And every time you go up another weight and you face another thing, the stronger you get. 
the stronger you get. So if you want to face some real battles in your life, you want God to take you to places that no one else can go to, you have to trust him in the small battles so you can begin to work your way up to have a complete trust in God that nobody can take from you. Nobody. And that comes through the battles and the trust that you give to God when you face those situations. Amen? Amen. Whew. It's a little hot up here. I'm sweating. <laughs> now there's another part of this passage I want to go down to a little bit here and talk about. It's got a really ugly word in it. Um, I don't know if you caught it the first time around. It says here in Psalms 125, towards the end it says, God will round up the backsliders. This word is ugly, backsliders. You know, I started asking a bunch of people, um, and I said, hey, what do you think backsliders are? What do you think it means to backslide? And I got tons of different great responses, um, what people thought. Uh, most people were like, I hate that word. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. I said, what do you think it means to backslide? People gave me a bunch of different um, answers. But as I started to sit down with some people and put together, uh, put together a, a term and what it means to really be cautious for ourselves, we put together this term for backslide. And, and it may seem a little different than what you grow, grew up knowing is backsliding. Um, has anybody in here ever heard of Eugene Peterson? He wrote the, the Message Bible. I was reading a commentary by him, and he was cracking me up, right? He was like, the word backsliding really came into play heavily in the church in the 60s and 70s. He said, I was sitting as a young man in the second pew, and uh, there were some, some uh, ladies on the front row, and these, and these girls had just come back from college. They were uh, Christian girls, grew up in the church, they went to college, they came back. He said, and their, shorts, their skirts were a little shorter, and they were wearing red makeup. And he's like, and I heard the chattering, you think she's backslidden? <laughs> He's like, and that word became this ugly, like, like, do you think they've completely fallen away, completely whatever? And we came up with this definition based on some commentaries online. To backslide is when a Christian turns from God to pursue their own desires or pre-conversion habits. When a Christian turns from God to pursue their own fleshly desires or reverts back to their pre-conversion habits. You know the only problem with this definition is I struggle with this every day. I struggle with this every day, and I know it got silent in here because you guys agree with me. There is this constant battle between flesh and spirit, and it's this, this battle of, God, I want to live for you. I want to do what you've called me to. God, I'm seeking after you. But then this, this, this nagging enemy, this spirit in your mind and your heart that also wants you to live fleshly, and the temptations you had in your past life before you came to know Christ are always there, and it's always reaching after you. So I started to realize that it is really easy to backslide. It is really easy to walk away from God, and it's a constant temptation and journey. But here's what I love. Here's what I love about our God that we serve. Peter in the Bible was told by Jesus before he was killed. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Now remember, Peter had walked with Jesus for three years now at this point, and Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, there is no way. Listen, I'm like Peter in a lot of aspects. I love the Lord with all my heart, and if you were going to tell me that I would walk away from Jesus one day, I would tell you that's ridiculous. But Peter was told by Jesus, you're going to deny me three times. And, and, and when the time came, Jesus was right, of course. Peter denied him three times. And if I was Jesus, I would have been like, told you so. 
I would have been like, way to go, Peter. Like, I would have been a total jerk to him, right? But what does God do when we fall down? What does God do when we make mistakes? What does God do when we walk away and have a moment of weakness? After Jesus resurrected, he's on the beach shore, and Peter comes back up, and Peter sees him, and he's like, oh, great. (laughs) And he asked Peter, Jesus asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, of course, Lord, I love you. He says, Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord, I love you. A third time, Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord, I love you. Jesus was showing us what a journey with Christ looks like. What it looks like to love the Lord with all your heart, get caught up sometimes in isolation and flesh and temptation, to fall down, but then we have such a loving and a gracious Father who says, look, you made a mistake, you walked away, I knew you were going to, but even though I knew you were going to mess up, I had already planned to forgive you and bring you back to me. What an amazing, gracious God that knew Peter was going to mess up. He knows we're going to walk away from him. He knows we're going to sin and fall short. He knows that it's going to be a daily battle in this journey between our flesh and our spirit. And he still chooses to love us. While we were still sinners, Christ died. While we were still sinners. What an amazing, amazing God that we serve. But here's the thing. Sometimes, as Christians, knowing the grace of God, we also can let ourselves slip into this comfortable place where we know we can walk in sin and still be forgiven. So we get to this place where our heart gets hard and our mind gets hard and we no longer grow anymore. And we say, ah, God will forgive me on Sunday when I go to church. So how do we continue to grow in Christ? How do we continue to love him so much that we get rid of things that don't belong anymore in a life with Christ? How do we continue to grow in on this journey where he's forgiving and gracious? Try not to stumble. Walk towards him. Live in that and trusting him. Walk with an assurance that he's victorious. How do we do that? Because it's this constant battle between flesh and spirit that we have to walk through. I want to talk about what are some practical ways we can help ourselves to always trust in the Lord and not be tempted to go back. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes, don't get mad at me for saying this, sometimes we over-spiritualize things. Sometimes we make things so spiritual that we don't do things that are practical. So I want to talk about what are some practical ways. If you say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I trust you. I want to walk with you. But I have this temptation and this flesh that won't leave me alone. And I don't want to slip and I don't want to fall and I want to grow closer to you. What are some practical things we can do to make sure that we don't live a life of a roller coaster with Jesus? What are some practical things? If you're taking notes, these will be things to write down. Um, A couple good points here. The first thing we're going to do is follow God based on facts of God and not feelings. I think everyone in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's sometimes I come into church on a Sunday morning and worship is being played and and I could cry and I feel the power of the Holy Spirit all over me and all over the room. And I'm like, God, you're here. This is amazing. And I get excited and encouraged. And then I go to my office on Monday and I'm praying and reading and I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel God as much. And I'm like, he must have left. He must be gone. I don't feel him. But that's funny because Jesus, because God is so powerful and so mighty. He says in Isaiah 43, listen to the boldness that our God speaks with. He said, I, 
Yes, I am God, period. I am the only Savior there is. I spoke, I saved, I told you what existed long before the upstart gods appeared on the scene. Whoa. And you know it, you're my witnesses. You're the evidence, God's decree. Yes, I am God. I've always been God and I always will be God. No one can take anything from me I make who can unmake it. God is making a bold statement here that no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, no matter if you feel my presence or you don't, I am God always. I always have been, I always will be. And at the end it says, what I make, no one can take from me. Well, I have, a, I have to tell you something. God created you. God created you. And what God sets in place and God starts the ball rolling on, no one can stop. Listen, if 10, 20, 30 years ago you were given a promise by God, if you would seek after him and he would make something come true, that promise still stands. If you were told that a child of yours would come back to Christ and they've left, that promise still stands. God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And when you feel God, when you don't feel God, he is the same God in your situation, always, always. Follow God based on facts, not feelings. And my second one, this one's super difficult. Try to, or to fully trust the Lord, we have to fully surrender. All right. <laughs> Don't exit, okay? All right. I have you students tell me all the time, they're like, I want God to use all of me. And I'm like, well, that's really difficult because you only give him 70% of you. I, I want God to work in my life and use me and work in my family and heal me and bless me, but you gave him nothing to work with. If we want to fully be able to trust in the Lord, if we want him to be able to work in our situations, if we want him to guide and direct our steps, we have to be a willing in the beginning to say, God, I'm all yours. Everything I have, every part of me, my family, my finances, my health, it's all yours. My past, my past is yours. So often, especially I work with the students, so that's why I keep referring to students, so often I get in conversations with students and they're like, I love the Lord, he's doing so much. But you know, one time I had this boyfriend who did this or that or whatever. And, and, and I can see that it's holding them back. I can see that it's dragging them down. And, and what you got to understand is when you give your life to the Lord and he says you're a new creation, you are a new creation. New creation. God has called you to leave the past behind. I love the example, I've talked about it before, where Jesus calls the disciples when they're fishing. And it says they drop their nets immediately. What I love about that example is they left the life they were used to, they were comfortable with, behind to live a new one with Christ. They drop their nets immediately. Maybe I should put it in terms we all understand. Maybe, maybe this would help out, to fully get rid of something, because how many of you guys know if you leave something lingering around in a time of desperation and isolation, it'll come back to bite you, right? When you're desperate, when you're isolated, when you don't feel God, that thing you left lying around that you thought would never come back up, comes back up. Let's put it this way. When my wife says we're going on a diet, 
All y'all are wondering why I got Apple Jacks up here the whole time. I know it. I know it. When my wife says we're going on a diet, which doesn't happen much, obviously, um, I say, all right, whatever. But here's the thing. If you've ever been on a diet before, you know it's difficult. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right in the front here. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. When you go on a diet and you're saying, I want to become healthier, I want to go to the gym, I want to work out more, I want to become a new person, I want a different lifestyle, this life is killing me. Here's what we do sometimes. Because, and I'm going to share with you, this is really sad. I thought I was going to have to run to Walmart this morning to get junk food, and my wife said, babe, just open up the cupboard. <laughs> so this is really embarrassing, but I did not have to buy this stuff. This was in our cupboards. Um, yeah, shut up, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> when you are going into a diet, when you decide to start a diet, if this is what's in your cupboards, if this is what you have lingering around in your cupboards, you have to get rid of it. You have to start fresh because you cannot have any of this lying around because if you're me, if you're me, I'm going to be sitting in the house watching a movie one time. I'm going to feel lonely and isolated and the enemy, the stinking enemy, is going to be like, Noah, you've been doing really good lately, but you got them Apple Jacks in the cupboards. I mean, the sugar's not even that high. It was like, just don't go for the nerds, you know. And he's going to be like, hey, just make yourself a bowl. It's no big deal. And I'm going to probably give in because I'm hungry, because the new life is hard. Dieting's hard. It takes work. But I know it's better for me in the long run. But I leave this stuff lingering around so when temptation comes, I still have the option to run back to it. Do you know where I'm going with this? Here's what it should look like. Hey, we're going on a diet. I'm seeking a new lifestyle. I'm not going back to the person I used to be. I'm sick of my lifestyle now, so I'm going to get rid of everything. Because if I get rid of everything, I'm afraid to throw this. If I get rid of everything in my cupboards that's not healthy for me, there is no way I can eat it. There's no way I can go back to it. But see, in our life with God, we want to say, God, I fully surrender. God, take my life. Use me however you want to. But yet we leave our past relationships and hurts and our anxieties and depression, we leave them lingering around and we keep that from God and we say, use whatever else, just not this. Then what the enemy does, the enemy in your time where you're, you're, you're sad, you're lonely, you don't feel God as much, he's going to remind you of what you left in the cupboards. He's going to remind you of what you didn't surrender to God. And he's going to use it to take you down. If you want to fully trust in God, Find out what it is that you're leaving around in your cupboards and clean it out. If you want to say, God, I am actually all yours starting today, what's the area of your life that you haven't sacrificed to God that's holding you back? If you want God to use 100% of you, give him 100% of you. Give him 100% of you. In closing, there's a story it's a true historical story. I didn't make this up. Many of you have probably heard it before. There are songs about it. It's an amazing story. In 1915, a captain named Hernan Cortez, he led expeditions. He took trips. He took a crew with him, took their families. And they would go to these new lands that they wanted to seek out. They would go to places they wanted to be. And they would, they would, they would pull up in their ships. They would dock the ships. And they would go onto this land. And it was dangerous. They didn't know what was there. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They didn't know what the life was going to consist of. They didn't know what the land was going to consist of. All they knew was that this is where we're going. This is the new life we're embarking on. 
they took this great expedition to Veracruz in 1915. They pulled the ships up to the dock, and when they got into the town, they started chilling out a little bit. And Captain Hernan Cortez looked at his men and he said, I need you to do me a favor. And they said, what's that? They said, I want you to go out and I want you to burn the ships. And they were like, wait a minute, that's our only way back. He said, I know, I know. He said, if we leave those ships out there as an option to retreat to where we came from, the temptation is always gonna be there. But if we burn the ships in our only way home, then we only have one place to move and that's forward. That's forward. And that's what a life with Christ, when you say yes to the Lord, when you say, I want to walk with you, I want to be used by you, you have to burn the ships that could possibly take you back to where you came from. You have to get rid of what it is in your life that the enemy could use to drag you down, to hold you back from your full potential. You have to be willing to burn the ships in your life. You have to be willing to clean out the cupboard and say, God, none of the junk anymore. None of my past. I'm a new creation in who you are today. So to answer this question of what are some practical ways that we can stop living this roller coaster life of being on a high with God and trusting in God and then the next day falling back into our old habits, backsliding, not headed where God wants you to, this constant roller coaster. How can we get better? at staying on a constant level of trusting God and it's getting rid of the things in your life that you haven't given to him. Getting rid of those areas in your life that you've withheld from him because you were afraid to turn them over for whatever reason, because it hurt too much to bring out and give to God, because you were afraid of what he was gonna do, because you were afraid of the loss he might bring. But if you're sitting in this room today and you're like, I have to fully trust God. I cannot handle this life anymore, it's difficult. I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm desperate, God, I need you. Work in all of my life. Today is the day to turn over that 20, 30, 40% of your life that you've always held from him, that you've always kept from him. It's time to burn the ships of what could take you back to who you used to be. It's time to burn the ships of what's been holding you back from becoming who God wants you to be. It's time for us to fully surrender to a God so we can trust him with everything we have. We can take action in life based on our confidence in God and we cannot be moved like mountains. That is a life served. That is a life with God working. I just wanna ask you today, what are your ships. What is it? See, if, if we hear the message, but we don't identify. If we hear this message, but we don't identify what it is you've been holding from God. And we just leave out of here and go, yeah, that would be good. Cut the ties. <laughs> but we didn't sit and ask ourselves, what have I been withholding from God? Is it my finances? Is it my family? Is it, is it past mess-ups and regrets and failures and relationships and whatever it is? We have to identify it. And we have to take it as painful as it is, as it is and say, God, I can't do this anymore. This is yours. God, this is yours. 
please work in this area. I'm sick of it holding me back. I'm sick of it holding me down. God, I want freedom in your name and I want to be unmovable like a mountain. I'm going to pray to close, but as I do, I, I ask you to please be very intentional here. Look inward, assess your life, assess yourself, assess your relationship with Christ. And I want you to ask, what am I withholding from him? What have I not given him? What have I not fully surrendered? Or maybe, what has he called me to that I've been too afraid to step out in because of uncertainty? And as I pray, I want you to identify and I want you to hand it over. I want you to hand it over and tell God it's yours. I want you to hand it over and say, I'm sorry that I've been withholding this from you. But now you can work in that area. God, thank you so much. God, thank you for your grace this morning. God, thank you for even using us, what we've given you for your good. God, I know this can be very, very difficult. God, I know it can be very difficult to hand over things in our lives that are painful. God, I know that <laughs> there can be things that we were attached to in the past that have hurt us, have scarred us. God, I'm not saying that we forget that. I'm not saying that we don't grow from that, but I'm saying we allow you to work in it and take that pain from us, God, so we'd be able to better serve you as Christians. God, allow us to be able to not only stand in the boat and acknowledge you, but be able to step out on the boat and be a part of the miracles you're performing. God, now is the time for us to fully surrender to who you are, fully surrender our lives and see you work in areas that we've never seen before. See us reach people in your name that we never thought could be reached. God, as we live this life as mountains, standing firm, unmovable, because of how powerful our God is. God, I just wanna thank you so much. We love you.